Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Cool episode today. Uh, Nikolai of Empowerment Psychotherapy and Aaron of the Business of Soul Searching. We did a crossover episode for her, uh, Aaron's podcast, The Business of Soul Searching. Originally, Nikolai had done this podcast. It's one of the lost episodes. And the, three, and the three of us are all friends, and we had gotten lunch together, and we're like, let's just make one big podcast together, and we'll do like a little crossover for Aaron and I's podcast. Uh, both of them, at one point, were co-workers of mine, but now have both since gone elsewhere, but the three of us are still pals. So it was so great to uh, get to hang and do some podcast with them. Um, Nikolai and Aaron are just, I'm, I'm happy to call them friends, I, re- I really am. Uh, you may remember similarly, you may not. That I did a similar thing with the uh, the Naked Diner folks. We did a crossover episode, so it's kind of similar. Aaron took the same audio and kind of chopped it up a little more. Mine's just straight our conversation. But a uh, ton of fun. So make sure you check out their websites. Uh, Nikolai is empowermentpsych.com, which is O-M, like O-M, power, like empowerment with an O-M. And Aaron's is thebusinessofsoulsearching.com. Uh, great podcast. You can check it that one out. I really recommend it. And, uh, you know, check out all the show notes. Show notes. Uh, this intro is recording on my phone as I have a newborn at home that I'm trying to do this quick. Uh, anyway, just tons of fun. I, I love recording episodes with people in person, and I just think this conversation was really fun. And it started to get really, really good, and we had to go. Uh, so th- this is basically the conversation... Aaron and Nikolai and I would have anyway. It always turns into like mental health and race and class and just fascinating stuff that I love talking about, like the social sciences. Uh, they're really wonderful people. Uh, they're both badass lady entrepreneurs with this vision, and they just they're just kicking ass. I'm just so happy to see what the future holds for these two. As always, find the show on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Laughable, my favorite comedy podcast app, which has now introduced a new thing called subscribe to like specific people it's been a game changer they have a beyond comedy section so i've been listening to all these podcasts that aren't even comedy related and laughable can't recommend it enough uh, and do me a huge favor leave the show a review on the old itunes that makes a big help um and as always we are on the core temp arts network there's a core temp arts facebook group you can join if you listen to the show to continue the conversation check out our other wonderful shows uh this week i'm going to recommend advanced tv history uh, with Cynthia Bemis Abrams, who has been on this show as well, and um, um, I'm just I'm mumbling. Let's get to it. I usually don't do a, a proper who's who, but since we have three people today, it might be good to identify whose voice is first. So, yeah. do you want to introduce yourself, Nikolai? Sure. Hi, my name is Nikolai. Okay, you can just say hi, I'm Nikolai. Yeah. Say, hi, yeah. Okay, I'm Nikolai. And I'm Aaron. All right, so if people listen, you can know who's who. Um, so, Nikolai, this is our second time because you are one of the seven people uh, of the episodes that got lost forever, and all seven had said yes. So you're 
one of the seven returners. So thank you. I feel very privileged to have had a podcast lost by you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, computer crashing. And Yay, technology. Backup drive. Google's everything failed. Actually, it's funny. Yesterday when I was doing my dress rehearsal, my technology failed and it really was really awful. So it always fails. And then um, Aaron, we were talking about doing this as well. Uh, but when we were first talking about this, you, you, you didn't have a podcast yet. So we were waiting. But now yeah, you have a podcast. It was a long for me. It was a long waiting period. I feel like um, trying to uh, work with a co-host, and then I realized that I would just do better on my own. In the beginning, it's mm -hmm. hard to like, or like I don't know how the both of you feel about Hold it, up, but it's close. it's hard to um, to to work with someone and work around their schedule when your schedule's already jam packed. So, right. You know, yeah. you know how busy, like, you know what I do throughout the yeah. week. So I just, I kind of had to roll solo. So, but yes, it's out now. But yeah, so the three of us, we all used to work together. Yay. And I know. Aaron and I still work together. <laughs> uh, yes. But uh, we all got along. But uh, so it was funny. We all just had lunch together. I was like, I was like, what was that? What I call you both? Uh, badass lady entrepreneurs. I'll take that. I like that. Yes. I like that a lot. Right? And that, that's, that's a good sales pitch, people. Just compliment people. But it has to be truthful because mm -hmm. people can snark, smell out bullshit nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to be authentic to who you are. Absolutely. Uh, but So you are coming fresh off a TED Talk, and Aaron and I want to fucking pick your brain about this. Yes, totally. And, and how you got selected, like that whole process, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I just did a TEDx talk, which is an independently organized TED Talk um, at Salve Regina University in Newport. And honestly, my story is like not super exciting. <laughs> um, I had um, a friend who worked at Salve Regina University in um, student and academic affairs. And what was cool about this TEDx talk is it was actually completely independently organized by students which is pretty impressive because they had to do a lot of work. And for being like, you know, 19 to 21 years old, mm -hmm. I don't know if I could have pulled that off. Mm. So um, my friend who was helping these students organize the TED Talk and kind of just like mentor them along the way, posted just randomly out on Facebook, like, hey, there's going to be a TED Talk at Salve. Mm -hmm. And they are... Um, requesting proposals now so if you want to submit a proposal here's where you do it so i thought you know what have i got to lose i'm going to submit a proposal i love ted talks um so i submitted it and i didn't hear back anything probably for a month and forgot about it and mm -hmm. then i heard back that they accepted it so it was kind of something i didn't expect to happen but and really then how cool. How did you feel when um, you got the acceptance? You're like, oh wait. Actually, yeah, I went, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Because you're yeah, like, you forget about for it. For real. Because my plan was, um, I literally saw the call for proposals the day before they were due. So I only had 24 hours to put my proposal together. Yeah. So my plan was to think of something I knew I could talk about and I could develop into a talk if I had to if I got picked yeah, so does, I submitted a proposal almost on the fly mm -hmm. and then when it got accepted it was reality time that now oh yeah that talk that I just said that I could do I have to now make that talk <laughs> I have to create it <laughs> I can't just talk about it I have to speak yeah and pre presenting I'm sure is much different from like just chatting with friends and educating them on what you do yeah it's um even just to submit the proposal um that you have to be very clear um 
in what your expectations of the talk are and what your outcome is going to be. So even when I had to submit the proposal, one thing that's required of all TED Talks is um, they have to be what's considered to be innovative Mm -hmm. or they have to propose an idea that feels new and exciting um, or that there just hasn't been a lot of talk about just yet. And um, you have to show that people are going to come away from your talk with something. It's not like I can just go have a conversation with people. Mm -hmm. I have to kind of have an end game and say people will walk away with this knowledge or thinking about this question. Wow. Yeah. So even going into it, you already have to have your wheels turning about like, what is this talk going to look like? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that uh, process kind of demystified it for you in a good way? Uh, Because like I I expected like I don't know how you do a TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I I would never even try to do one. Yeah. Now you're talking. and I'm like, I know how to fucking submit a proposal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could do it. No offense to you. Yeah, no, that's okay. Isn't that the lesson of life? We all have to just keep hearing the same stories to reinforce that like stuff that seems hard is just little steps. Yeah. And to be open to it. Honestly, I feel like I don't think I would be. Why not? Scary. Uh, a lot of we're doing something scary entrepreneurship is scary terrifying we work in the mental health field yeah well there you go that can be scary yeah we take accountability for our lives plus other people's lives so totally so we deal with fear all the time yeah but talking in front of people yeah Yeah. but if it's something you know about and something i mean there's like there's going to be fear right in general you're, and I feel like what I've noticed is to address the fear mm-hmm. and push through it, mm-hmm. like to not ignore it and try and push it away. But yeah. but it depends. There's always calculated risk. Some things yeah. it's not like putting your head in a lion's mouth. It's well, not it's worth it. I'm interested in both of you, like you both are in becoming brands and entrepreneur and future entrepreneur, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you are now. Right? I don't know how that works. I guess. I guess. You, you Everyone has their own, like, oh, you have an Levels, but you're both yeah. breaking out into the business world on your own. I mean, we, we were together for a year, mm-hmm. and um, I guess we got along a little. <laughs> we got along okay. <laughs> we don't hang out ever. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't bother me that much. Yeah, but, like, every day for, <laughs> I don't work anymore, for every day for that year, you're like, I'm going to work this job for X amount of time, and then I'm going to go off and do private practice. And I'm so used to being someone who says things and never does them or knows people like that. Mm-hmm. So when you do it, or then when I first met you, Aaron, you're very mm-hmm. much like that. I was like, oh, that's how you do it? You actually just you just do, do it? Do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I said I was going to work at my job for a year, and no you word of a lie, like, I quit on like, my year mark. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I quit like two weeks before my year mark because my last day was my year mark. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you, you did it. I did it. And then you guys have the more obstacles of that within society as well. Like, and there's less statistically. Did you ever read the stat? There's like, oh, fuck. I'm trying to remember. It was like the amount of C- Fortune 500 companies of CEOs named James was like, I don't know, like 6%. And then the Fortune 500 companies that are women, it was like 0.00002%. Like the whole the premise of the stat is there's more Fortune 500 CEOs with the name James than there are women. It's crazy. So I've never heard that statistic, but I, I, I believe it completely. It. I do. it was a meme, yeah. so maybe it's not true. But <laughs> well, you mean memes are always true? Yeah, oh my <laughs> god! But, um, uh, for both of you to brave out into businesses with all odds against you, mm-hmm. like, how how does that feel? It sounds scary. 
Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, well, Aaron, I the double whammy, because then exactly, you're uh, a, woman a black color. woman. Mm-hmm. So I actually have been reading a book, um, and this book just talks about being a woman of color and still being able to um, just foster your leadership skills and, and um, utilize them, um, even though you're being oppressed. So um, one of the chapters was really talking about um, the fact that even though you're oppressed in the workplace or or wherever you work, like whether you're an entrepreneur and you're in a predominantly male um, field, that if you are the out group, there's a strength to that because you are observing, like usually if you're the underdog, people aren't watching you. Mm-hmm. They're not keeping their eye, oh yeah, like, like, you know, whatever sports team it is or whatever type of person. So you get the strength of being able to observe um, your superior, so to speak, um, and find out what makes them tick. What are their strengths and their weaknesses? And then you can utilize that to support yourself and to kind of build yourself up. Mm. Um, so that's that was something that I, I took. Um, I think that it's hard. It's scary. Some days I feel like I don't want to, not that I don't want to do this. I um, It's scary to be the example. Mm-hmm. Like it's scary to be the person that has to like educate people and lead people and be like the first person doing whatever it is. It can mm-hmm. be very scary and overwhelming when some days I just want to be like on vacation. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that was, that's my take. But then there's the gratifying piece when people are like, oh, wow, you do that. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'll try doing that. It's when people message me or, or when I speak to them in real life, that's when it comes full circle mm-hmm. and it's worth it for me. Um, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it can be very scary. It's yeah. What, what's uh, is that term? Fruits of your laurel or whatever. Well, since you've been doing private practice now for a while. Yeah. Um, I know you hate, I tell the story all the time. I think you kind of hate it because I embarrass you. But I remember we got lunch together like right after, <laughs> the first time we saw each other after we, um, uh, you went private practice at Fellini's. Yes. Um, do you, either of you watch Sherlock? No. Nope. Uh, no. Watching, there's a good scene in the last episode of Sherlock where Moriarty, the villain, not, not that you're a villain, but he gets off a plane and he's in like a fresh suit and it's playing Queens, I Want to Be Free and he's got sunglasses and he just looks like such a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. But that's how I remember seeing you for the first time. You're like, your skin was glowing, you had a badass clothes, you had sunglasses. You know what gave someone that feeling of you lose stress and you're like, you just your shoulders go higher? Mm-hmm. You just looked fit, so happy and yeah. you were so relaxed, which was the year I knew you before that was not the case. Yeah. You were always very stressed out. And, totally. And we were sat down, I'm like, how are you? You're like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's it? You're like, I'm just really happy right now. Yeah. So can you talk about that experience of like the year-long stress to take the risk? And yeah. The, living in it Very totally much. Cutest little puppy next to with us. my puppy which you guys can't see but she's adorable uh, and she's sleeping um yeah post her on instagram <laughs> um so yeah it was it was interesting i feel personally that you know if we want to achieve whatever goals we set out for ourselves a big part of that is just putting in hard work and knowing what you want your ed game to be and taking steps to do that so i was like completely exhausted and overworked for the year that we worked together because yeah. I was working, two you jobs. know, two jobs. Yeah. And when I became a supervisor with us, totally so it's not even like you're just coming in doing, you know, doing your clients 
like taking care of your clients and then leaving your supervisor so yeah so it's like I'm doing my day job where you know I got promoted which I'm really thankful for and was a great opportunity Mm -hmm. but more responsibility having to deal with crisis and at the same time I was working fee for service which is sort of like private practice not exactly Mm -hmm. but trying to get my feet wet just in that more um, one-on-one private practice setting so I was working a lot so no wonder why I was so tired and stressed out Mm. Um, but it was really nice because you know because I did that I was able to quit my job when I got promoted I took like all the money that I got from my raise and instead of spending it I started banking it and that gave me a safety net for when I did decide to quit my job so I was taking a risk but I also was thought out about it I didn't just quit my job with no money (laughs) and no plan yeah and I also figured out how many people I have to see to like make a sustainable income so I was really thoughtful about it Mm. you both kind of remind me of each other because you're both the type I'm like I'm like what do I do if I'm doing something like Saturday night I'm like I don't know I'm gonna go out and YouTube like I'm gonna make my vision board Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did just make a vision board last month a new one just you know what it is I think one of my fears is stagnation Mm. like like that transitional period and I'm going through that now too Mm -hmm. of being in a like or the way that I feel I like my job I'm glad that I'm I feel like I fell in love with the mental health field a couple years ago but I'm also transitioning now into radio and entrepreneurship so it's hard to hold on Mm -hmm. when you're like ah I see my goal and I can almost taste it and I'm moving closer Mm -hmm. but right now my nine to five is not that so it's it's but I feel like something that motivates me is is moving forward and moving closer to my dream Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's like, okay, I'm going to work a job or live a life that I'm not completely in love with. Mm -hmm. And I see other people that are in love with their job and their work and their purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why I think I just like I spend so much time on. And it can be frustrating. It It can be frustrating when you're in that place, I think, where you can see it. It's almost worse. You're not there. It is. Right? Because you can taste it. Exactly, yeah. But you're still living your old life because you need to because Mm. we're adults who have responsibilities and need jobs, right? You can't just quit our jobs. I mean, maybe we could, but I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I I wouldn't do well with that. I'd freak out because, you know, I'm so type A. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree, yeah. My yeah. type A friends. My secret type A-ness. Exactly. Secret. I know. It's so not well, secret. You know what's interesting <sighs> is like, and I kind of identify with this too, like you have your type A side, mm-hmm. but then you have your like fly by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. side that you talk about. Yes. So like, can you just talk about balancing that? Because I know it's, it can get a little bit much for me too. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Sometimes I joke with clients or just with people in life. I call myself like a recovered type A person or mm. recovering type A person the way like someone in AA would say, hi, I'm Nikolai and I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. except I'm hi, I'm Nikolai and I'm a recovering type A personality. Totally. Um, and I feel like it's just constantly been a jury journey of being self-aware and noticing Mm -hmm. when those sort of anxious perfectionistic characteristics creep up in me Mm -hmm. and sometimes if I want to indulge in them because it feels effective or I'm like having a really low-key period where I can be a little crazy with stuff yeah I do it 
Good. And then other times, you know, I try and check and see when it's not so effective. Like if I have way too much on my plate and then I'm trying to be way too controlling about it. Yeah. It's just best for me if I can just learn to let go. And that's normally when I go do some yoga. See, yeah. Or I do some like self-soothing. Creative. Some like, yeah, relaxing side stuff. Of the brain. Yeah. You know, just to like get out of that really yeah. analytical left brainy stuff that's going on. Yeah. Cause it, I feel like I was um, the last person I actually interviewed. She was talking about that. Like uh, we call it like recovering perfectionist mm-hmm. side. Right. So like um, Pam, our uh, original supervisor yes. that I signed on um, would talk about that. And so um, she, she really just spoke about um, that there are benefits to, to being detail oriented. Oh, absolutely. So there, there are times, especially like when running a business, when you're doing a walkthrough for a new space and you need to look at every single facet, not just like, oh, this is a nice size room. Like I can imagine it. It's like, you know, wall plugs and just different things that, you know, a type A person would, would excel at. Mm-hmm. But then she'd also say she would balance it, like you said, with things, you know, for the creative side of her brain to... You know, just balance it. But it's hard. It, it that is anxiety hard. is hard to manage. And I always think of our clients. <laughs> our, our new boss, Lindsay, who took your job, who yep. is mm-hmm. awesome. And I don't think we'll ever hear this. But if she does, mm-hmm. you're awesome. <laughs> uh, and um, Pam's she, awesome, too. Yeah. You'll okay, probably yeah, also never hear yeah. this. I have liked my supervisors. Yeah, I, I have. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she just dropped some knowledge the other day. And we were in a meeting. And uh, she was like, I think she was saying that there's like a better. Oh, I was trying to say. I can't remember the quote, but it was basically the message is like there's it's sometimes it's better just to get something done than never get it done at all. Mm. Like I had a friend in college who would always fail the he would write a paper and he'd be such a perfectionist mm-hmm. it would be so late he would fail mm-hmm. and then like the the message of that is like it sometimes it's better just to get it done yeah and then be the, so you guys have to balance that you want to be perfect mm-hmm. you got time constraints and when life. I was in graduate school you know what someone said to me that was similar that really helped me. Um, I was stressing out about papers and exams in grad school and I was being super type A and this person said to me, they said, Nikolai, why don't you just try to get a B? Like instead of trying and aiming for an A, just make your goal be that you want to be. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, (laughs) that really actually impacted me because the point being I can choose like what I want to try and achieve. And really when you're in grad school, what is the difference? Getting an A like is not gonna like get me on like summa cum laude. They don't do that. Really? Nope. Mm. Nope. So there's really it's just my own so ego. Why not just get C's? Well, you have to get at least a B in grad school. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, it B or B? It's B. Mine was B, I believe. And I know you go to, to Rick, Rick yeah. where I went. I think it's yeah. I think yeah. It's I think B's it's a B. A solid so B. Here's, this is a stupid. My, I get mad at that stuff. Then why why don't they just make everything pass fail at that point? Mm. I don't know. Well, hey, some people do that. What's the Brown point of University C, D, and does. F if, if they don't matter? Because like yeah. a C is an F essentially, and then a B is an A. Mm-hmm. But that's I get way too annoyed at things like that that don't matter. I yeah. don't have an so answer for that. Ignore me. I I agree. You know I agree. Um, because I'm I'm totally into school reform. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost I almost failed out of high school and almost I did fail out of college for undergrad and then test it back in and it's a long story oh i'll do a podcast on that we we never we always i know it's like glimpses of that were you like a bad kid i i was i was so i grew up um in a household where my parents very religious um very hardcore southern baptist um nice people but they just everything is black or white Mm mm-hmm 
And so, um, so having that, I felt like I didn't really get to express myself. So when I turned 16 and I got a little bit of freedom, I kind of hit the wall. So, and then it was like this push or pull of like, I feel like everyone when they're 16 or most people want to like even developmentally mm-hmm. when you look at psychology you're trying to build your identity you're trying to test things out to see what you want to do um, so long story short I just kind of got involved with um, the type of crowd that would like come to school drunk smoke in the bathrooms leave early Those so I'm my skipping school too. yeah very to me at like the time maybe very yeah. nice. <laughs> that must be why we all get along that's why I, I know would, yeah. Yeah, but I was too scared to be bad. So I would hang out with the kids, yeah. but I wouldn't skip class. I would do it. I was like for it. Like if there was nice. bad, I wanted to like my my ex had the party house. So mm-hmm. um, I guess we can talk about that now because we're not in high school anymore. So yeah. like, uh, so he had a hot tub. So we'd skip school and like, you know, have some Mike's hard lemon. You know, <laughs> Mike's hard lemon. Do, do the, high the crazy. High school, exactly. Yeah, I think we've all so, been there. Mm-hmm. Long story short, that led into college and, and it kind of just started to spiral out of control um because i it's like as you get older you can do more things you oh can yeah be, you're then 18 you can go get cigarettes you don't have to have someone get you cigarettes you you know all these things um but long story short going to a particular counselor helped me get back on track mm-hmm. which is why i fell in love with this field. that's so great well it's funny because now like so that's uh, a shortened edited that, version good. of yeah, yeah. yeah well now pot's like basically legal i mean it's legal in mass which mm-hmm. is like three feet away yeah yeah and i don't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like now that i can have it like i drank more out no no i probably started drinking at 20 mm. and i was done by 22 yeah <laughs> then, yeah i was like yeah. <laughs> once you, i can have something i'm like exactly Whatever. where where's the uh, where's the allure yeah. um i think that that's, that's huge but yeah it was a, a mix of like school and you know my guidance counselor seeing me crashing and burning mm-hmm. and then like seeing i'm not interested in college and just not calling me down to the office <laughs> and i'm like all right you're like avoiding you mm-hmm. know so i have this huge school reform Hopefully, I'll write a book someday. Mm-hmm. Um, you will. But there's a lot of complexities in that, but that's kind of my... I mean, you're clearly a bright kid. You just won't be a challenge. Or- um, sometimes in children, you see they're they are kind of avoidant because they're so... Like, they're, they're past... Um, where their classes, so they're learning things and they get bored. So my sister and I would like leave the class and and be distracted and stuff. Um, but yeah, I was bright, but it took me a while, and that's why I, I encourage people. Oh, that's getting. I'm sorry, I got off. I'm like, why did I start talking yeah. about this? So that's what I like. <laughs> my thing is, I think um, this A B C world that mm-hmm. we live in, and this S A T world, and this test to then be able to potentially get your license mm-hmm. is really really holding back people that are super intelligent but we all should know in 2017 that people learn in a different way oh yeah so there's certain ways that there are certain things that you excel at like when you said that it reminded me i'm like you know we're we're still testing in this static way that's not really appropriate Mm -hmm. from children all the way up to like our age and so i i hate that it's it's so like you have to get an A. Like I get A's now because I believe in myself, mm-hmm. but the A is really meaningless. To yeah. Me. The A, like the A, what that means to me is I almost failed out of high school and never would have gotten anywhere, never would have gotten a job. I don't know where I'd be. I can do this. And that's what I share with other people. Mm-hmm. It's not like you should get an A. It's you should go for something that you want to do and kill it. Yeah. So absolutely. that's what I, that's kind of my thing with some <sighs> school. I love it. (laughs) It's just, it's a lot. I just don't like how they, how they grade people. And then people feel like, oh, I got to see. So I'm not smart. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe in that subject, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not your strong point or the way the teacher's teaching mm-hmm. is just not the way that you learn. So. so I have a question for both of you yep. as a therapist and future therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always talk about faith at work, which I always find interesting because yeah. I'm like uh, I'm an atheist, but I guess so, mm-hmm. which means I don't really think i give enough thought and time to think of how faith works Mm -hmm. but how does how do you work with clients who have uh opposing opposing a a various faith or like a barrier or Mm. or use it to their advantage yeah yeah i mean i so i'm not an atheist i identify as agnostic which basically means i acknowledge i have no clue what could be possibly true or not true Mm. um and so i think in that way, it, it kind of helps me when I work with people who come from all sorts of different religious backgrounds. Because who am I to say that what you believe is, is wrong, wrong or, or right? Yeah, yeah. You know? So, True. Um, but I do consider myself, because you know I'm a yoga person, I do consider myself to be a spiritual person. Mm. And I think that just informs the way that I work with people. I believe that, you know, at the end of the day, we all come from the same whatever. And even, like, from a standpoint of just pure um, science, like, at the end of the day, we're all made up of cells, which are all made up of atoms, Mm -hmm. which atoms make up everything. They make up karma, which is my dog. Mm -hmm. They make up the table. They make up everything in this room. So, you know, we all, I think, have a connection between us. And so for me to just have that belief myself, Mm -hmm. I think that makes it really easy for me to work with people who are different because I really do believe even if we have different values or different belief systems because we're all kind of from the same thing like Mm -hmm. there are things that always bind us or connect us yeah yeah I hear you on that um my response would be when you said that I thought of uh, when I worked residential for symmetry um this one person stands out and he was the type of person um where he didn't believe in anything, but it was like, nothing's going to help me. I'm going to keep ruining my life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I I think with him, it was really tough for me to find a common ground mm-hmm. um, of... I mean, not that I sit there and talk about spirituality with someone like that's all we talk. That's all I know how to talk about. It's Mm -hmm. really about them and and what's helping them. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't believe that anything can assist him Mm -hmm. in his recovery, um, it's it's hard to make anything out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that's a separate case. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm pretty open. I've switched to a lot of different things. Like I grew up Baptist and then I left the church and, you know, now there for me, it's more spirituality mm-hmm. versus like religion because I, I have kind of issues with the religion. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's some things I agree with, some things that I don't. Um, so I'm, I'm still figuring that out. Um, and I think when people watch the business or listen to the business of soul searching podcast, they'll see me kind of, you know, sometimes I'll tease it out, but. Um, but it depends. I'm, I'm whatever helps someone recover or get better or feel good. I'm happy with as long as it's not like disrespecting me personally, Mm -hmm. I guess. And it's, it's helpful to you. I, I totally support it. 
one thing I remember That's we, were, we talked about this at work mm-hmm. one day, but like, um, is it like the Baptist community? I like, hope that you get to this. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was really I was trying to get to without Absolutely. getting direct. But like, so you were, you were telling me, you were just dropping like truth bombs on me. I didn't know about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so, and like, that's kind of the purpose of my podcast. I'm starting to come out. So mm-hmm. I used to be yeah. a very secretive and I, I didn't trust anyone with any of my stuff. Yeah. But I realized that's not helping me progress. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you tell? So basically, you I'll let you say it. But okay. it was like, so like people in... Baptist, right? Baptist yeah, I think I know what you're you're therapy? getting at. So here's the thing. So Did you know um, about this stuff? No, to, no. I'm, I'm sure gonna work as yeah. me and Aaron will end up talking. I used to talk to me and Tanya would end <laughs> up talking work, about this stuff. At work, we're working. Like, I mean, we're working about stuff. <laughs> Over and lunch break, obviously, yeah. is when all these conversations are I used to talk to Tanya yeah. about this stuff all the time, too. And totally. I'm just like, I just want to... When I don't know something, I just want to learn and hear Observe everything. it. I yeah. mean, I'm um, just like, absorb it. Um, so for me growing up, so I was telling you all, um, definitely uh, hardcore Christian Baptist. Um, down South is really, really intense. For people that know the South, obviously there's a church on every corner. So they're like, you know. Um, but anyway, so my thing, when I started in this field, um, my mom kind of was just trying to understand like, you know, therapy, even though I've been to family counselors and other counselors before I met my counselor that got me on track. Um, So she knows what therapy is, but she was just trying to understand from a religious background why you wouldn't take that to God. Mm -hmm. So for her and I, we kind of had to really, like I had to introduce this to her little by little because um, for her, it's just like, you know, my therapy is talking to God. So when I bring things, when I have issues, I bring it to God. I don't bring it to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even translates a lot to the black community and, and culture um, because there's a lot of times people don't believe another person can help them. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like they feel like if I go to you for counseling, mm-hmm. I'm disrespecting my religion. Mm-hmm. I'm telling God I need to bring another person into my life, and you're not you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. So everyone kind of has their different, um, you know, perceptions with that, um, and that's another thing that kind of gears me towards spirituality because I can't get caught up in that. I know what's worked for me, and counseling has worked for me. Mm-hmm. I also pray. I also meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I kind of take what I need from different things and use it. Um, and, and I know that as my brand gets bigger, there's going to be more attention and people are going to have their opinions. Um, but like I said, I just, I just do what works, but, but there, there is a conflict. Um, and I know that, I know that's coming. No, I, I like you more because of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, maybe I'm more agnostic. I guess I feel like that way. Maybe. Because atheist. atheist is like, I don't believe in anything. I know, they're mm-hmm. such dicks. That's yeah, right. they that's, can be that, kind of. That was the person I was just talking about. Yeah, right? And they really are. And yeah. I, and I, I've been watching, there's a show on CNN. Have you watched Believers with Reza Aslan? Nope. Um, mm-hmm. You've watched so many things that I, I know. Watched. I, I told you I got I got yeah. rid of cable, so oh, nice. if yeah. it's not streaming and I oh, don't yeah, have yeah. that app, then he, I don't watch he's, it. He's a, that's what type I type him into iTunes. Yep, he's a religious scholar. He's from Iran, uh, and he just fascinating story. And um, but I mean, he the way he talks about religion like is mm-hmm. just fascinating because he's not talking about like christianity scientology or whatever yep. he looks back at religion from like the earliest inceptions like so the, he was this is a quote from him there's an earliest inception they think of we found an early caveman faith is there's a, some evidence to believe there's a like a like a little 
doll that someone a cave people used to call out of what okay. like like a fat naked woman mm-hmm. okay. and some people try to say that was our early figures of symbolism of, of like some sort of religion mm. and then the other historians say no it was pornography mm-hmm. <laughs> but, interesting <laughs> which i don't know why i just it's think all, that was so funny it's all perception yeah right? and, but then he just talks about it in such great length and then i've been realizing i'm like well be, for like I was probably more militant or more of an asshole atheist when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And now I've come like, I'm like, you know what? Just, you know, I don't believe in it, but why can't I listen to more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and true. Like, um, like Buddhism, like just yeah. learn. It's not like, oh, because yeah. I listen to what you have to say, I automatically am going to, I have to believe it now. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. I have yeah. to practice it. And, and there's such a separation of spirituality and faith. There's, I mean, yeah. spirituality and religion, religion are almost yeah. two different things. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? definitely. And, uh, which I think is cool. And I'm still not like there. But I, I, I get so much respect for people who are open about it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you shouldn't feel ashamed about for being sure. religious. And yeah, yeah. I should never, hopefully I never make anyone feel that way. But I'm, in the past, I definitely have. Yeah. Not, we're all growing, contradicting yeah. human beings, right? Like, true, true. Conversation at me 10 years ago at 22 is different than 32. Much different. Hopefully. But right? I, think, <laughs> I think working in the mental health field helped me figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is, even with sobriety, there's so many different versions of it. And then I was just like, well, this per like, then I just, I just generalize it as recovery. We're all recovering. Mm-hmm. We're all like from trying something. to exactly from childhood experiences and just like dating, whatever it was, you know, we're all recovering. So we all heal in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I guess there's like the statistics you see, like within mental health treatment, there's just not a large, it's mostly, there's not a lot of, um, I hate that. It sounds so weird. Large minority. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that reminded me of weird. <laughs> oh, that Louis C.K. bit. Have you ever heard that? No. Louis C.K. has this whole bit. Is like, by like 20, whatever, like 2040, uh, white will be the minority in America. It is Louis C.K.'s mm-hmm. bit. So this letter is yeah. like, only in America could the, the minority be the majority. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, you can see white guys walking around like <laughs> somewhere in Africa. Yeah. Whoa, look at all these minorities. I know. <laughs> in the, I know. That is funny. <laughs> Just um, like, it's, it's so funny. But like, but, and then I never realized there's that. Huge, I know that's big with like, big in the South. Mm-hmm. There's a connection to like a high level of HIV is directed to the um, homophobia in the church, yeah. which leads to the down low wow. with like black men who have sex with men but don't identify as homosexual. Oh. Um, that makes sense. I just uh, I never checked that. that was making, I was connecting that to mental health therapy. Like that must keep so many people out of mental health. Like totally. And I, going back to what I was talking about, it's so hard. Like I had no stick. I, even I was like yeah. afraid to see a therapist as, as an adult. Yeah, and yeah. I had no stigma around yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine actually being raised to believe it's bad. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's just um, it's it's really. It's really like the media is saying that it's really not for us. Like mm-hmm. when you see like these shows, do you see black people going to counselors? It's true. You don't. Do you right. know what I mean? Like I'm trying to pick my show, brain if I've too. ever seen a just, show just, or a know, person of practice, color. Have you done it? Have there been a lot of diversity Pe- within mental health? Like people I've practiced with? I mean, I, I, yeah, I've no, I've definitely had clients of mm-hmm. like all different races, yeah. sexual orientations. But good, good. yeah, I, I see a lot of mostly white women yeah, which i yeah. think are like most of the people go to therapy because yeah. i think even but now men you're private practice where i feel that um and same with anyone i feel you're just going to attract a certain type of mm-hmm. person and you're like a holistic yoga totally yeah and i think you would attract people you're going to attract the energy like you said that, that you you're going to put out Very absolutely true. and yeah. i think like part of doing therapy 
is you end up working with the kinds of clients that are just a good fit for you. Exactly. Like you have the knowledge that they need and that's what draws them to yeah. you. You know, they can pick up, Chris and I were talking a little bit mm-hmm. before the podcast about authenticity mm-hmm. and how important it is to be authentically yourself, um, even as a therapist yeah. and the way we sort of market ourselves or just go about the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, like I'm a um, 32, almost 33 year old white woman Mm -hmm. into holistic stuff big surprise like I Mm -hmm. attract a lot of like white (laughs) women who are in their like mid 20s to late 30s who are interested in holistic stuff but also who are very like grounded and want to be successful in life and don't want to go too far into the what I call woo woo world like they want to (laughs) balance their holistic practices with living life yeah. in our culture yeah is that like that you were telling me about that well that book you were saying earlier in that book you're mm-hmm. reading about how uh co-worker yeah. people who are mentors seek out who they see themselves in so Definitely. i imagine as a therapist a private practice therapist mm-hmm. uh when you get to kind of pick your clients or they get to pick you that must be the same thing i would imagine your client base is going to look different from nikolai because Probably. you're different people but also i feel like something with me though so i am um an african-american woman but i grew up in the suburbs mm-hmm. I was yeah. one of the only people of color in my town mm-hmm. so in some ways I do relate to white women oh like, yeah I do. absolutely I your actual really experiences in, yeah exactly yeah. And, like so I I think that and then on the other side um so black women there are some that I've come across that just feel like that they just don't want to mess with me oh, like they just don't want to like network with me because mm-hmm. they're like I feel like you're putting on a show you don't really sound black mm-hmm. you don't you know so there's going to be people that don't relate to me that don't relate you know to this type of like not that I'm like Michelle Obama but that type of you know personality they're yeah. like okay she seems like a nice person but she didn't grow up in the same hood that I grew mm-hmm. up in so I'm not comfortable so I I think definitely I'll I I envision myself to attract people like me mm-hmm. but not necessarily always looking like me mm-hmm. absolutely um, we probably have other things in common and similar Definitely. values and mm. life experiences Agreed. you're making me think of um i used to work at brown university before i was a therapist mm. and i was in fundraising and um right after i got hired literally like i showed up to work on the first day mm-hmm. and they said hey bad news um <laughs> our department was completely restructured <laughs> Um, and that job that you got, well, you're not fired. You still have a job, but yep. it's not the job that you got hired for yeah. at all. I yep, couldn't even yep. remember what I got hired for. Mm. Um, and then they split me basically in between two different departments. And one was your stereotypical alumni relations, mm-hmm. fundraising kind of job mm-hmm. um, and marketing. And then the other program that I worked on was this um what they called at Brown, the Alumni of Color Initiative. And so it was all the alumni groups at Brown who wanted to fundraise for scholarships for people of color Mm. and for resources that served people of that community. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting for me um, because I got to work with a lot of different people who Mm -hmm. had a lot of different experiences from all different, you know, races and backgrounds. And one thing I learned, basically, end point, is that... Um, identity is actually such a complicated thing. For sure. And there are so many layers to it, you know, and your racial identity is definitely a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. But there's also, you know, your economic identity or, you know, how you... um, 
grew up at home in terms of like education levels where mm-hmm. you're first generation college student yeah. you come from a really highly educated family um, for people of color but I don't even think this just applies to people of color it's like mm-hmm. what is your race but also what is your kind of ethnic background mm-hmm. and where do you Agreed. hail from originally yeah, were you yeah. born here family, yeah. were you it's born in another country mm-hmm. because you know being black or African American mm-hmm. and being born in the states is not exactly the same as like being black or African yeah. American and coming from the Caribbean yeah. or, or from parents. Africa exactly. you know I know it's it's very different and I didn't know that mm-hmm. until a couple of years ago which is sad um, but not really. I just wasn't exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. But something that I realized that um, with people, a benefit of growing up around um, a different culture mm-hmm. is that I realized that um, what we focus on magnifies. So if I so if I grew up up in a town with people that it's predominantly white, mm-hmm. and I focus on they're white, I'm black. I'm going to vote. That's going to magnify. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that I'm going to see as opposed to, okay, we're different races. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so, okay, I like this type of music. This person likes this type of music. We hate this type of teacher. We like, you know, whatever. Bring it back to the <laughs> we teachers. Don't, we do like politics. Um, so I, I think like a lot of times, or at least where my platform's coming from is um, that, you know, let's find something like common ground. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about the women's march that happened in January. Um, I think a lot of that is what's important or something I pulled from it is that there's different people, but respecting how that person is different from you. Mm-hmm. Don't just say, oh, we're all the same. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's not, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's not real Mm -hmm. um but understanding we're all suffering maybe in a different way but we're suffering Mm -hmm. so how can we band together and and kind of accomplish our goals yeah Um, and being able to talk about the ways that we're different and just like own that yeah because i think a lot of people when it comes to identity and especially with race Mm -hmm. it makes people uncomfortable so then they just don't talk about it which i think just makes it worse worse. yeah it's like even worse yeah it's like the elephant in the room that old cliche like let's just like talk about how we're different and if we can just accept that we're different then we can actually try and like understand and support each other yeah if we don't talk about it then nothing's gonna get done And that's where I think, I mean, I think with this whole Trump situation, I think a big part of that (laughs) is because people are just trying to avoid things instead of confront them. And people don't want to actually like open up and talk about our differences and what makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's where cognitive dissonance, I think, comes in. Like people don't want to hear a different narrative than you're used to practicing Mm -hmm. in your brain. It's scary. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, this person's telling me this new information, but the information in my in my brain, even down to like biologically, if you think of neurons Mm -hmm. or how they're used to firing. Um, it, it can be scary, but it does need to be talked about because if you're, if you're in a relationship, so if I'm obviously with my husband, but if he cheated on me and then, or, or something happened and then he just didn't talk about it, that's right? like even worse than us having a clash of like, yes. oh, what the heck? Like him not talking about it, I would feel so invalidated. Mm-hmm. I would be like, so he just doesn't care Mm -hmm. enough to even let me yell at him Mm -hmm. or let me be upset with him he would just rather just sweep it under the rug so i i totally hear you on the fact that we i think slowly we're starting to talk about different things Mm -hmm. um i know me like i was trying to avoid this whole situation even though i'm a woman of color yeah imagine that i'm trying to run from this situation and then 
when Trump came into power, I'm like, you know what? I can't avoid it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I need to just address my own feelings about this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what comes out a lot in my blog posts and my my being unapologetically black mm-hmm. this year um, and moving forward um, because it is it is scary to be black in mm-hmm. 2017. I yeah. can understand and to identify that. Mm-hmm. can be really scary. Man, this is so much fun, but we actually all have to. I know. I could sit here and chat um, for forever. Yeah. But we'll definitely, definitely do this again. Yes, please. And I would love such that. such a bad time to write. Oh, we're going to talk about being black? Well, we got to end it. Yeah, yeah, just, so, just so people actually well, know the truth. Do, oh, sorry. We all actually have to go do separate adult things. I know. Like grocery shopping. And that's the downside of not being billionaires. I know. Adulting. I know. We have to go adult. Uh, yeah. So where can people find you online? Aaron and then Nikolai. Um, so I, my personal profile is Aaron Alexander Edwards. Um, and then my business profile is the business of soul searching podcast. You can find me on iTunes and I actually just created an account for Google play as well as SoundCloud. Um, my IG is Aaron for CEO vote me in is my tagline. I so, love it. I yeah, love that. So tagline. message me like if it's about business or you're struggling with something, if it's about getting out of a bad job or any women's issue or complicated relationship issue, uh, message me and we'll work it out. Absolutely. So. And you can find me. So my business is called Ohm Powerment Psychotherapy. So I am not as advanced as you guys with all your Instagram <laughs> and so your podcast. So you can find me on good old fashioned Facebook, <laughs> Ohm Powerment Psychotherapy. You tweet. Mm-hmm. I do tweet on occasion. I have my moments. Um, and you can also look up my website, which is ohmpowermentpsych.com. So that's O-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E-N-T-P-S-Y-C-H.com. Um, and same thing with Aaron's, you know, please, if anyone is out there and hears this, don't ever hesitate to outreach me um, mm-hmm. either through Facebook or, you know, through good old fashioned email. Um, I'm always happy to share resources and feedback. Agreed. I know I did another podcast um, earlier this year with Jenny She about being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and um, a woman, really, and wanting to find a way to... Um, balance business success with life and not feeling like you have to sacrifice your life to be successful so i did that and i ended up connecting with this really cool um graphic and web designer who lives in pennsylvania so you never know what can happen when you do podcasts and and really uncovered that um she and i actually work in much of the same way and sometimes she has some of the same struggles so Mm. i'm happy to share feedback with anybody who wants it agreed are you guys are you ladies both yes. open to be podcasts on their shows? Dwight Hurst, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So hit them up. Get them on your show, people. Yeah. We'll connect. Yeah. I think Erin and I are very similar. This is why I like her. We're mm-hmm. all about being open to opportunity, right? Absolutely. And I feel like any opportunity is an opportunity to just move forward and see like Definitely. what the what future holds for you. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I never write anything off. Mm. I should never say never. Like maybe for like a white supremacist, yeah. you want me on your but podcast, your insight, I won't do that. Your insight knows like, hey, this person doesn't feel right mm-hmm. from working in this field. So it's pretty easy, I think. We're not busy enough to read that book, The Power of No. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get the there. No. Maybe one day. All right. cool. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. What's, we're going to do this again, right? Yeah, yeah I would love to. This is fun. This could have been Part like five two, hours yeah. for I me. know. <laughs> Thanks. Let me just make sure I save it. That was fun. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.